0: Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Maybe you heard the story of a man that got called by his doctor and he was told to go to uh, see his doctor at the office. And his doctor said, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news patient was quiet for a minute he noticed how serious the doctor was he says doc give me the good news first he says the good news is you have 24 hours to live he went my goodness well what's the bad news he says I was supposed to tell you yesterday (laughs) today we're going to talk about facing the fear of death because it is real A lot of people have the fear of death. You know, if nothing else, look at the past year and a half in our culture, and it's been underneath the surface of a lot of people. Tertullian, the third century church father, when speaking about death, said it's a poor thing to fear that which is inevitable. Think about that. It's a poor thing to fear that which is inevitable. Death is going to happen And your fear cannot change that. Um, I like what Adrian Rogers said. Death runs in my family and it runs in yours too. Amen. We all have to deal with death. I'm reminded of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, coined these words. He says there is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity under heaven. A time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot. In other words, there is a time for everything. There is a season for every activity under heaven. There is a time to be born, and unfortunately, there is a time to die. And nothing we feel or say or do is going to change the reality that death happens to everyone. I like the quote, I don't know who to credit for this, but they said, we're not prepared to live until we're prepared to die. Think about that statement for a minute. We are not prepared to live until we're prepared to die. Today we're going to talk about facing the fear of death. So what does the Bible say about death? Well, I submit to you Hebrews chapter 2. A great verse there in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 15, says this, Now since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these, so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives By the fear of death. Humanity has one fear. And it is the fear of dying. Why? Because it's a certainty. It's going to happen. You can't control it. You can't change it. You can't put it off. It's going to happen. And you have to be willing to face the facts that at some point we are all going to die. Now some try to avoid it. They don't want to talk about it. Some like to dismiss it. Oh I don't believe in heaven or hell. You know when you die you die and you know that's it. I'm not worried about it some people say. Still others try to convince themselves that they have nothing to worry about. Oh it'll be fine. I'll be all right. We talked about that this morning in Sunday school. Everybody hey how you doing? I'm fine right that's the uh, southern response i'm fine proverbs 21 says all a person's ways seem right to him but the lord weighs the heart anybody can justify anything if they really want to but god knows our hearts and in tandem with that verse of proverbs 21 verse 2 is proverbs 14 Verse 12, there is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. You know, humanity without God says, I've got this, everything's good, I'm fine, it's all going to be all right, it's okay, but in the end, it's the way to death. Francis Patton, who lived over a century to go, he was a former president, of Princeton University. And he observed that the high water mark of, of the view of death in the Old Testament was in Psalm 23, which is when David said, Even when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He also said that the high water mark of death in the New Testament was Philippians 1.23 where Paul the Apostle said, I am torn between the two. I long to to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. And uh, Francis Patton said these words which I found very interesting. He says, David in the Old Testament was willing to go, but he wanted to stay. Paul In the New Testament, was willing to stay, but wanting to go. Now think about that. Our view of death changes from the Old Testament to the New Testament. There is more revelation. There's more understanding about the experience and about what's beyond that experience. The biggest game changer? Jesus Christ. He came. He lived. He died. He was buried. But guess what? On the third day... He rose again. And he lives forevermore. David was willing to go, but he wanted to stay. Paul was willing to stay, but he wanted to go. We are not prepared to live until we're prepared to die. So how do we overcome the fear of death? If we're honest, a lot of people are afraid to die. As a Christian... You shouldn't be afraid uh, uh, of death. Now, let me clarify. As I get older through the years, I'm not concerned about death. It's going to happen. I can't change it. I can't control it. What am I concerned about? Dying. Who wants to think about going through the process of dying? But again, uh, we have to deal with that. So how do you overcome the fear of death? Number one, trust Jesus. Why? Because he defeated death. In 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 1, verse 9. Man, this is awesome. Listen to what the Word of God says. It says that He has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And this has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now the word gospel means good news. There's good news now that Christ came, He lived, He died, He was buried, He rose again, He ascended to heaven, and one day He is coming back. But at His resurrection, He abolished death, He rendered it powerless, ineffective, and as a result he has brought to light the life and the immortality through the gospel. You and I can receive life and have it more abundantly and have it eternally. Wow, that's what Christ did through the cross and the empty tomb. That is truly a game changer. Jesus Christ defeated death. In 1 Corinthians 15, better known as the resurrection chapter, because every single thing in that long chapter of 1 Corinthians 15 is about the resurrection of the dead. And in 1 Corinthians 15, I'll read the last four verses of that chapter. In verse 55, it says, Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? I was out in the backyard yesterday and um, looking up way up high under the, uh, underneath the gutter there is a wasp nest. I noticed it toward the end of summer and it's so high up there it's not a factor. It's on the back corner of my house. There's no way I'd reach it. I'd have to have a humongous ladder to get up there. It's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. And I went out there yesterday with my, you know, my hot shot, a hornet and wasp stuff, you know, feeling big and tall, right? I mean, I'm ready. And uh, I climb up on the um, the back deck because I'm up higher and I'm I'm closer to it. And I look at that wasp nest and, you know, I'll fire away and there it goes. And they're still on that nest. Well, not anymore, but they were, right? And you, you go, man, look at this. This cold weather has got them lethargic. Now I've got my stuff. I'm going to put them out of their misery. Here is death. And the Bible says, death, where is your victory? Hey, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, listen to this. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, Always excelling in the Lord's work. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now it would be one thing for that Bible verse saying, Hey, you need to always be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in what God is calling you to do. Because your labor for the Lord is not in vain. But where is that Bible verse placed? Right after the fact. That Jesus rose from the dead. Right after the reality of us understanding that death has been defeated. Oh death where is your victory? Oh death where is your sting? But thanks be to God that our victory is through what? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore what you do for the Lord matters. It is not in vain. We serve a living God. We serve a God that raises the dead, that speaks things into existence. Nothing can um, defeat him. Nothing can overwhelm him. We serve an awesome, almighty God. And he says, because of that, everything you do matters. What you do for Jesus Christ matters. Everything you do when you live your life for an audience of one, for the Lord Jesus Christ, it matters. And when we go through death's door someday and walk through it to the other side, we will realize just how much it matters. How do we overcome death or the fear of death? Trust Jesus. He defeated death. A second thing is live by faith. Live by faith because nothing separates us from Him. You know, we talked about this last week. The best best single one-word definition of death from the Bible to infer it from the Bible is separation. Faith without works is dead, just like the body without the spirit is dead. What is death? It's separation. Um, Physical death occurs when the spirit leaves the body. Uh, Spiritual death is when sin comes between us and God and separates us from God. So death is a separation. And in Romans 6, we're reminded that we need to live by faith. It says, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over Him. Isn't that good? That is so good. Death will no longer rule over Him. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins... He died for all, all our sins, okay? You know, it's just, it's awesome when you think about it. He died for all. He, he died, and now death, because of the resurrection, death no longer rules over him. When you look at baptism, what do you see? In baptism, you see the picture of the death and burial of, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But you also see a reflection of what has happened in that person. They are now dead to their old way of life. They've been raised by God's power to walk in a new life. And so you and I are reminded through our a profession of faith and through our baptism that if we have died with Christ, we will be raised with Christ. And so we can overcome the fear of death because we're living by faith. Not only in the one who died to purchase our salvation, but rose from the dead to prove that it was enough. And now he has sent his spirit who lives in us. And we are dead to our old way of life. And now we are walking in the power of a new life. No wonder two chapters later in Romans 8, Paul the Apostle said in verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Does that not take on a little bit more meaning now when you think of death is a separation? And he's saying that nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, neither life nor death, nor neither things present or things to come. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. How do we overcome the fear of death? We trust Jesus. He defeated death. We live by faith. Why? Because nothing can separate us from him. But the third thing is we focus on our hope. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, we need to always have something that we look forward to. And as a Christian, we have a lot to look forward to. We have an awesome future. When we read the end of the book, He wins, and because He wins, we win. And so we have an awesome future to look forward to. So focus on our hope that we will be with Him. In 1 Peter 1, verse 13, He's talking about our great salvation, and He says, Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope completely on the grace that you're going to receive when Christ comes. Think about that. We have a lot to look forward to. Let me give you some imagery. Let me give you some language. Let me give you just one. I could use many, but I'm just going to use one Bible passage. It's found in Romans 8, verses 18 through 25. And in this short passage, it paints a picture for you and I of what we have to look forward to because Christ is in our lives and we have the hope of being with Him for all of eternity. In Romans 8, 18, Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. He's talking about the fall in the garden when man sinned against God. In the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. And not only that, but we ourselves who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. See, hope is something that you are certain it's going to happen, but you don't see it yet. So you wait for it. You wait for it. You wait for it. And then when it happens, you're like, man, isn't this good? It's so good. You and I have a hope, and we know that Jesus is coming back. He said he would. He came once. He's coming again. And when he comes, he's going to judge the wicked, reward the righteous, and ultimately make all things new. When you read the end of Revelation, the curse going all the way back to the garden is going to be reversed. And it's going to be paradise Lost to paradise, found, and regained, if you will. What an awesome thing that we are looking forward to. And not just us. All of creation that's been subjected to the curse of the fall, to sin, is waiting to see what this looks like. To see when it happens. Think about that for a minute. All of creation is groaning. And those that belong to God, that are children by faith through Jesus Christ, who have received the Spirit as the first fruits, they are groaning. There's something inside of us that is groaning and longing for the rest of what God's going to do when the perfect time comes. And trust me, that day will come and nothing will stop it. You and I have a lot to look forward to. As believers and followers of Jesus Christ, we have a promised future with him in glory forever and ever. No more sin, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more death, no more tears, and I could go on and on, but read the last two chapters of Revelation and you'll see the picture of what you and I have to look forward to. So this morning I want to remind you we are not prepared to live until we're prepared to die. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. My daughter reminded me this morning, or I guess this weekend, that before we moved here, there was a girl that she knew. And uh, she, she, she just mysteriously died of a disease, you know, like five years ago. And she was like eight she would be 13 now. Death is not a respecter of persons. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how healthy you are. It doesn't matter. You know, it's easy to live a long life, at least in America. These stats that I found this week, it says out of, out of every 100,000 people, 88,361 reached 50 years old. More than 70,000 make it to 70. And almost 17,000 reach 85 or more. But staying around for a long time is not what life's about. You have to uh, count your days to make your life count. It's what you do with that dash. And so we have to be concerned with how do we live. And I like what This one guy said, Joseph Wittig said, he says, when we write people's biographies, we should start with their death and not their birth. Why? Because we don't have anything to do with how our life started, but we have a lot to do with the way it all ends. Think about that. You have a lot to say about how your life ends. One of these days, when you know you're running your last lap around the track, are you going to finish strong? Are you going to finish well? Are you going to be able to face your fear of death? I'll never forget years ago, a retired lawman who had been our neighbor. He got sick. It went from bad to worse. I heard he wasn't doing well. I went and saw him. And I said, hey, how you doing? He goes, well. The Lord's in charge. And I got it immediately. I thought of that story that Jesus taught about the Gentile centurion that had such great faith because he said, Lord, just speak the word. You don't have to come to my house. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus marveled at this man's great faith. And he says, you know, this man understands authority. He says something to a, 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 someone and they, they do it. And so he looks at God as a God of authority. and says, just say the word. This man had been a, a law enforcement guy all his life. And when he said that God's in charge, he, he was telling it exactly right. And he was submitting to that. God, you're in charge. You and I need to be prepared to face death. In um, one of his books, uh, A.M. Hunter, a New Testament scholar tells the story of a dying man who talked to his Christian doctor, and he said to his doc, "Doc, can you can you do something? Can you is there anything you can say to help me, you know, deal with my impending death so I can face it a little bit better?" Well, that's a lot to ask of a doctor. And as he's searching for the words, he heard a scratching at the door, and he goes, "Did you hear that?" And the patient says, yeah. He says, that's my dog. He hasn't been in this room before. But he hears my voice. And he wants to come through the door and get to the other side. He says, that's what death's like. You know, Jesus said, my sheep will know my voice and they follow me. When you know the Lord, you know that your master is calling. You know he's on the other side of death's door. And the fact that your master is there, that's enough. Because to be with him, to know that you're going to be with him, no more separation, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more death, no more tears. That's enough to say, all right, all right. You know, I'll never forget Brother Vernon Turner. The first church that I ever pastored as I was 23 years old, he was the founding pastor of the church and still went to the church. But after I got there, he had been battling leukemia for several years. And it got to the point to where he would rarely come. He just, he just wasn't able to, to do it. And one of the last times that he was able to come to the church on a Sunday morning and sit through you know the, the service and everything... He looked me square in the eye, and he says, you know what, Brother Corey? He says, I'm learning something. I said, what are you learning, Brother Turner? He says, I've I've lived my life in such a way that I'm prepared to die. I'm prepared to live for my Savior. I'm prepared to die for my Savior. But he says, I've been reading what Paul said, and he wanted to glorify God in his life and in his death. And he says, to the best of my ability, I've tried to glorify God in my life. Now I'm asking him to let me glorify him in my death. Wow, what a guy. You know, sometimes you encounter moments in your life that, as uh, Brother Danny said, they make an impression on you. They mark you. You kind of file it away because it's kind of like a gold nugget. You see how valuable it is, and you go, wow, wow. I don't need this right now, but there's going to come a day and a time that I'm going to need that, and I'm going to take that gold nugget experience, and I'm going to put it in my pocket. And that day when Brother Turner was talking to me, I was like, that's a gold nugget. I'm going to take that, and I'm going to put it in my pocket. And one of these days, by God's grace, I pray I can say that I did my utmost to glorify God in my life, and now I want to glorify him in my death. To live is Christ, to die is gain. That's what Paul said. You know, it's, 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 it's peculiar to me. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not denying reality because when, when, when someone dies, it is a loss. We're losing that person. They're no longer a part of our life. They're no longer a part of our, our routine and, and on, on all of that. I get that, okay? I do. But from the Bible standpoint, particularly from a Christian standpoint, To die is gain. Because what you lose here, you more than gain on the other side. Think about that. You might lose everything you have here. But to be absent from the body is what? To be present with the Lord. To be present with Jesus. And as Paul said in Romans 8, I am persuaded, I am convinced that nothing, nothing compares to To the glory that we're going to see and experience someday. No matter how much suffering we go through here. No no matter how much sorrow that we experience here. Nothing compares to the glory that's going to be revealed. When Christ comes and reverses the curse. When there is no more sin, no more sorrow, no more death, no more sickness, no more tears. Nothing, nothing. Is going to compare to that. Now don't get me wrong. I don't really want to die Do you. I love one guy. That told me years ago. He says. I'm prepared. But I'm not ready. Well i would not heard that terminology before. And I said. Do you care to explain that? What do you mean? He goes. I'm prepared to die. I know where I'm going. I was saved at the age of such and such. I received Christ into my life. And I know that I belong to him. I am prepared. He says, but I'm not ready because I want to see my grandkids grow up. And I want to see this and I want to see that. And that's where you just say, if the Lord wills. Because we don't know. We're not promised tomorrow. Our life is a vapor. And it's over as quick as it started. So you may not be ready this morning. I would get that based on that story I just told. But you need to be prepared because you're not prepared to live until you're prepared to die. Let's all stand. And musicians, if you would come, we're going to have a time of invitation. And I hope you realize this morning that sooner or later, we all will die. And death is not something we like talking about. It's not something that any of us really want to think about. But I want you to understand that Jesus Christ has defeated death. He's overcome death, hell, and the grave. And he has given us life. New life. Eternal life. And even abundant life for here and now. And I pray today that you're ready to face the fear of death because there is an answer. His name is Jesus. Do you know Him? Are you prepared? Until you're prepared to die, you'll never be prepared to live. It's my prayer today that if you don't know Jesus Christ, would you make that decision to trust and follow Him today before it's everlasting too late? Maybe you need to realize that he's the only one that can save you. I can't save you. Your mom and dad can't save you. Our deacons can't save you. Our Sunday school teachers can't save you. No one can save you except Jesus. He came, he lived, he died, he buried, he rose, he rose again. He's paid the price. He took care of our sin. And now he's saying, I want you to come to me will you come to him this morning? Maybe you need to say, Lord, I, I know that I need you. I know that I'm a sinner, and I know I need to be saved. And, Lord, I want to give you my life. I want to trust and follow you for the rest of my days. Maybe you need to cry out to God like that right now. Cry out to him right where you are. He'll hear the prayer of your heart cry. And then come down and let us know you made that decision. We'll walk you through the waters of baptism. And you can tell the world, I believe that Jesus lived, died, buried, rose again. He is who he claimed to be. And I am no longer the same person. I'm dead to my old life. I've been raised by the power of God to walk in a new life. Let's pray. Father, have your will right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsomerset.com.